Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. So there's a moment in the life of Peter that actually is very relatable to your life and to my life. Peter was one of Jesus's closest friends and followers. He had spent three years with Jesus and he had moments of great joy and he had moments of deep heartbreak. One of those moments he actually caused. It was a moment when Jesus actually gets arrested and is put on trial and is condemned to death. And while that's happening, Peter is having a conversation with three specific people, three individual people, And they ask him if he is a follower of Jesus and he denies it wholeheartedly that he doesn't know Jesus because he's afraid that if they know that he's connected to Jesus, that he actually would have his life taken from him like they're about to do to Jesus. Now, this moment is heartbreaking because he's denying his savior. He's denying his Lord. But it's even more heartbreaking because hours before Jesus sat at a table with Peter and told him that this would happen. Like, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And then it happens. And then the rooster crows. And Peter recognizes what he actually has done. And he's heartbroken. And he runs from that space, deeply heartbroken, with just tears in his eyes. And then it gets even worse. Jesus is actually condemned to death and crucified on a cross just a few hours later. So now, his Lord and Savior, his friend, is dead and buried in a tomb. And the last thing that Peter said about him was, I don't know him. So he has this moment of deep heartbreak. And yet three days later, Jesus resurrects from the grave and Peter hears about this. And not only does he hear about it, but then they're in this room with the doors locked and Jesus appears before all of the disciples, including Peter. And there's this moment where their hearts begin to jump and they're filled with faith and hope again because the one that they had loved that they thought was dead for all time has been resurrected. Peter knew that just seeing Jesus wasn't going to be enough, that he needed to have a conversation with Jesus. And that conversation would actually take place just a few days later. He's on the Sea of Galilee and there's this miracle moment that takes place. Jesus performs a miracle that's incredible. Now, if you're not a miracle person, I get it. I know that that might be one of the reasons why some of you are struggling with trusting in Jesus. It might be one of the reasons why you struggle with the scriptures. And I understand that. But here's the thing that I want you to know about miracles. The writers of the scriptures talk about this often. These miracles weren't random acts of kindness by Jesus. But John actually writes that these things happen so that you and I would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God that this pointed to his identity, that he wasn't just some guy. He wasn't just a rabbi, but he was actually God in the flesh. And that's what these miraculous moments point to, that this is God in the flesh that has come to redeem and reconcile and restore all things. So after this miracle takes place, Peter rows his boat to the shore of the Sea of Galilee and Jesus is there waiting for him and there's a meal waiting for him. And so Peter sits down with Jesus and this is the first time that they've spoken to each other since that last meal where Jesus said, Peter, you're gonna deny me three times. And Jesus has this incredible conversation with Peter. He talks to him about love, how God loves him and how 
Peter, in his love for Jesus, will actually serve the world. He talks about gifting and he talks about purpose. It's actually a pretty remarkable moment. I think a moment that we all long for with Jesus. We want to hear his voice about our lives and what he wants to do in our lives. Like it's a life-giving, inspiring moment for Peter. And then Jesus drops this little nugget at the end of the conversation. In John chapter 21, verse 18, Jesus says, Peter, listen, when you were younger, you made your own choices and you went where you pleased. But one day when you're old, others will tie you up and escort you where you would not choose to go. Now, we're a fly on the wall in this conversation, right? Like we're thousands of years after this took place. And so we read those words and we're wondering like, what does it mean? Well, lucky for us, John actually gives us some context. In the next verse, he says this, Jesus said this to Peter as a prophecy of what kind of death Peter would die for the glory of God. This is Jesus saying, hey, let me tell you about what's gonna happen as we move forward. You're going to trust me with your life and you're going to trust me in life and you're gonna give your life to me and you're gonna give your life for me. And history tells us that Peter did exactly that. Like he spent his entire life talking about Jesus and helping people to meet Jesus and learn to follow Jesus. But not only that, Peter gave his life for Jesus. At the end of his life, he was crucified like Jesus was. And Peter, according to historians, was crucified upside down because he didn't want to die like his savior. And he gave his life for the honor, according to Jesus, for the glory of God. And then Peter actually shows us that he's just like you and me. Peter is wrestling and working through things that you and I are wrestling and working through. Because after this incredible conversation, John tells us this in John 21, verse 20. Then Peter turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. He's talking about John. And so Peter saw him and he asked Jesus, hey, what's gonna happen to John? What's gonna happen to him? And Jesus replies, if I decide to let him live until I return, what concern is that of yours? You must follow me and still follow me and keep following me. So here's Peter, who is identified as the first like pastor of the church of Jesus. Peter, who his first message that he teaches about Jesus, 3,000 plus people come to find faith in Jesus and get baptized. Peter, who has a church named after him, St. Peter of Basilica Church. Like Peter is a mover and a shaker in the world and he's about to step into that. And Jesus affirmed that in him. Jesus had this conversation with him. And at the end of that conversation, Peter does this. He goes, hey, could we, could we talk about John? Like as I look at my life and I look at John's life, could we, could we actually talk about his life and compare it to my life? Like Peter has a moment that we all have. He, he wasn't curious about the life of John. He actually was dealing with what we all deal with, comparison. He was comparing his story to the story of John. Which story is better? Maybe I would want John's story rather than my story. Even though what you told me, Jesus, was great, I'd like to hear if his story is greater. And it's something that I think we all deal with, especially today in 2021. Now, you might hear me talk about comparison and go, come on, Mike, comparison? Really, of all the things that we could talk about, we're gonna talk about comparison. Maybe you don't see it as like a big deal. And even if people compare themselves and their stories to others, maybe you don't see it as like a huge issue. But the reality is, is that it actually influences and shapes our story from this point forward. Comparison at its core 
is just a really pretty word to describe envy and jealousy and ingratitude. In fact, the writer of the Proverbs, Solomon, says this about comparison. He says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy, comparison, jealousy, it rots the bones. According to Solomon, comparison will chisel away at your gratitude and your joy. Here's why. Comparison will turn your attention towards what you don't have rather than what you do have. And Peter was told what was going to come and he wanted to know what was going to come for John because that's what he didn't have. And he wanted to know if that's going to be better than the story that he was living right now and was going to step into. And the truth is, is we often live this way, don't we? We always look to the other person and see what they have versus what we have, what they've been given versus what we've been given, what they're doing versus what we're doing. And comparison is just envy and jealousy and ingratitude bubbling to the surface, rising to the surface. And we like to make it a pretty word. We like to color it with comparison. And the truth is comparison is really easy in our world, isn't it? Because every day you see what you're not. If you jump onto social media, on Instagram, on Pinterest, on Snapchat, on Twitter, you can see what it is that you don't have. And the truth is, listen to me, the truth is there's always going to be somebody else that has it better than you. There's always going to be somebody else that has more than you. That's the truth in our world. But this conversation isn't about the other person. The conversation that Jesus has with Peter wasn't about John, it was about Peter's story. And this conversation today that we're having about comparison isn't about the other person that you're comparing yourself to. This conversation is about you, which is why I think today, together, collectively, we should say, comparison, I'm over it. I'm fed up with it. I'm done with it. That's the series that we're in right now. It's a series called Over It. And it's a conversation about the people, the places, the things, the circumstances, the issues, the sins that you and I are just over. We're fed up with. And what we've learned so far is that just because we're over it doesn't mean that we don't have to face it or go through it. And if you're watching or listening for the first time, my name is Mike and I serve on the team. And I'm glad that you've joined us today for this conversation because I think it'll be helpful for you. I know it's helpful for me. Because there is a story that Jesus is writing for me and there is a story that Jesus is writing for you. He is the author and the perfecter of all better stories. And he has invited us to step into that story, to trust him with our stories. And here's what I've learned in life. Been a Christian for over 30 years. Here's what I've learned in life. That if you don't tell the story, someone else will or something else will, and they'll probably get it wrong. So you should tell the story that Jesus is writing. If you don't tell the story, comparison will. And you'll begin to compare yourself to them. You'll begin to compare yourself to that thing, what you don't have. In reality, when you choose to live in the story of Jesus, you're actually honoring him with the story that he's writing for you. And it causes you to live in a new and significant way. And that's not just because I'm convinced of this and I've discovered this over the years. It's because this is what the writers of the scriptures talk about when you follow Jesus. Like this letter called Philippians in the Bible is filled with all sorts of goodness about how we can step into our story and not compare ourselves to the stories of those around us. This letter is written by Paul and it would have been easy for him to compare himself to others because he's sitting in prison and he's going blind and he's really old and he's not well taken care of. And yet he's writing about 
choosing to live differently, to step into the story that Jesus has for him. And it's in this letter, there's a section of the letter that he actually gives us what he calls the secret to living a life that battles comparison. Because he's convinced if you don't rule comparison, it will rule you. If you don't rule over it, it will rule over you. And so he writes some really significant words. And what I want to do is read those words to you and then talk it through together. So if you have a Bible with you or Bible app on your phone, would you turn to Philippians chapter four, starting in verse 10? We'll read to verse 13. And then I want to share one really powerful verse, verse 19. So let's read it together. Paul writes this. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then in verse 19, he says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. These words are famous in the world of faith. And even if you haven't been a part of the church for a while, or if you're new to this, you might've seen these words at like Hobby Lobby, right? You might've seen these words on Pinterest or on Instagram, or maybe it's above somebody's couch in their home on a piece of wood. These words are, are, are powerful because they free us up to live a life that doesn't copy the lives of those around us. These words are powerful because they speak to what we all long for. These words are incredible because they give us something to hold on to in life when life seems a bit unfair. So what I want to do is I want to walk you through what Paul says is the secret to battling comparison and how that secret influences and shapes your story. There's two ways that I want to share with you. And then I want to give you a phrase at the end of our conversation that I think will be helpful for you this week as you face comparison and tell the story that God is writing in you through you. So I want to start with verse 12. Here's what Paul says. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all of this through Christ who gives me strength. So he starts with the secret of battling comparison. And here's the secret, contentment. Contentment over comparison. And here's what contentment is. Contentment is saying, God, I trust you with my life. God, I trust you with my story. God, I believe that you are the author and the perfecter of my story. And so I'm going to trust that you are writing the best story possible for me. And I'm not gonna look over my shoulder. I'm not gonna look over the fence. I'm not gonna believe the, the grass is always greener over there. I'm actually gonna trust you with my story. I'm gonna believe that you are writing the best story possible for my life. And I'm not going to long to have what they have. I'm going to long to have what it is that you are willingly going to give me. That's what contentment does. Contentment is powerful for you and for me. That's why Paul says, when I'm content, I know that I can be content because of Christ. I can do all of this through Christ who gives me strength. And, and contentment is so important because comparison believes the lie that your life would be better if you just had what they had but contentment is convinced that God is the author of your story and that he will provide for every chapter in your story. Comparison, it actually reveals what's really going on inside of us. Like it's not about them. In fact, it's not even about you. It's about how you feel about God. Comparison reveals this wrestling that you have inside of your own heart. Like this wrestling that asks this question, does God really care about me? 
Does God really love me? Is God really going to meet all of my needs? Like, is God going to meet me in the big and the small, in the good and in the bad? Is God going to be there? And, and Jesus knew that this was something that we would struggle with. It's something that those that he lived with struggled with. It's a part of the human experience, and he spoke to it. Listen to his words in Matthew's letter, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, as he's responding to this question of like, does God care about me? He says these words, this is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. For all that you need will be provided, such as food and water and clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to life than a meal? And isn't your body more than clothing? Consider the birds. Do you think that they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food, yet your heavenly Father provides for them, provides each of them with food. And aren't you much more valuable to your heavenly Father than they are? Like Jesus in this moment says, if your heavenly Father is going to provide for birds, then you need to be convinced that he's going to provide for you because you are much more valuable than pigeons and parrots and blue jays and hummingbirds, although we love them, right? But you're much more valuable than birds. And we've talked about this at Active before, but Paul actually takes the words of Jesus and he teases them out. He takes these words of Jesus and applies them to real life. I think his conversation about comparison and contentment actually comes from these words of Jesus. So just for clarity, Jesus is saying, look, when you're worried, I want to invite you to look up. Look up at the birds of the air and recognize that if God's going to take care of them, he's going to take care of you. And then Paul takes it even further when talking about comparison and contentment. And Paul says, when you're wrestling with comparison, I want you to look up, but not at the birds of the air. I want you to look up at your heavenly father. Instead of looking to the right or to the left or looking around you, I want you to look up to the God who's going to take care of you because he loves you. He is for you. He is good to you. He comforts you and he will provide for you. And I know that we struggle with the reality of God actually caring for us. But I'm convinced that you're here today watching this, listening to this, because God has made a way when it seemed like there was no way. And maybe part of the reason why we've struggled with knowing that God cares for us is because we haven't opened our eyes to those moments when God moved. Because we were caught up in our feelings or our emotions or the circumstances, and we haven't taken a step back to see the hand of God and if Jesus says that God cares for us, then I'm convinced of that because Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. If we want to know what God is like, we look at Jesus and Jesus obviously cares for us because he gave his life for us and to us. And then he resurrected from the grave and invites you into that new life. This is why Paul writes about this. He's like, man, choose contentment over comparison. And then he says, like, contentment isn't just something you hold on to personally, but it influences your actions in two significant ways. And this is really, really important. So don't miss this. Here's what he says. First, here's how it influences you. Verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So he's speaking to those that have cared for him. He's speaking to those that have provided for him and he's expressing gratitude to them. He is saying to them, thank you for this. He's cheering them on. He's celebrating them. And that's what contentment does. Contentment is choosing to celebrate others instead of comparing myself to others. See, you and I, we have 
Three choices when we see someone around us succeed in something, do well in something. The first choice is we can say nothing, which I think a lot of us do. And if you say nothing, then it does nothing for you and it does nothing for them. The second choice that we can make is we can talk behind their backs and we love doing this, don't we? We love to talk behind one another's backs. And what that does is harm you and harm them. And in two weeks, we're actually gonna talk about that in detail. So don't miss that conversation. But there is a third option. There is a third way. And the third way is this, that we celebrate them, that we cheer for them. Paul writes to this group and he says, I'm I'm celebrating the, the good work that you've accomplished. I haven't been a part of it. I would love to be a part of it. I would love to do that, but I'm unable. I'm in prison. I can't do that. And so I'm going to celebrate your good work. Paul writes another letter to another group of Christians, and he describes this moment of celebration as rejoicing with those who rejoice, like cheering them on, putting your hands together and saying, way to go, because content people celebrate the good things that happen for others, even though they wanted it for themselves. And And I know that we don't often celebrate others because we've convinced ourselves that we actually have to feel excited for them. And so the reason why we don't celebrate them is because we don't feel it. And if we celebrate them without feeling it, we ask the question like, isn't it inauthentic? Isn't it us pretending? Isn't it hypocritical if we're celebrating them, even if we don't feel it? And the answer to that question, if it's inauthentic is no, it's not. You know what it is? It's called maturity. That's what it's called. It's called leadership. When you celebrate somebody, even if you don't feel it, you are cheering on this good work that God is doing in their life or the good work that God has done through their life. And even if you don't feel it, even if you wanted it, you should celebrate it because that's what maturity is. Maturity is doing the right thing even when we don't feel like doing the right thing. And when we celebrate each other, it crushes envy and jealousy in our hearts. It allows us to honor each other. We are acknowledging that we are not in competition. We are not in a life of comparison. We are people who love God and who God loves, and we're going to celebrate each other. That's what contentment does. And so here's a question for you. Whose success have you been hesitant to celebrate? Whose success in your world have you been hesitant to celebrate? The issue is not with the other person. The issue is with you and God. Because if you can't celebrate, it may be because you want what God is doing in their story. But perhaps God is doing something different and unique in your story. And that's why you don't have what they have. Because God has a better story for you to tell. Comparison, it's really good at pointing out the goodness of God in the lives of others. And it makes you blind to the goodness of God in your life. So so celebrate people. Celebrate the good work that they're stepping into. Celebrate the good work that God is doing in them and through them. And by the way, you already know how to do this. You do this every time we gather for Baptism Sunday. There are people who choose to move from death to life move from darkness to light. They, they choose to step into some water and announce that Jesus has done a good work in them and they want the world to know about it. And a lot of those people you don't know, you don't know their names or their stories or their faces and yet you celebrate them. 
You stand to your feet and sing. You stand to your feet and applaud. I remember last baptism Sunday, I was standing just to my right in this auditorium. I was standing next to a friend and great activator and they had giant crocodile tears and they were bawling and applauding and celebrating. And they leaned over and they said, Mike, I don't even know the names or the stories of these people, but my heart is overwhelmed. Because that's what mature followers of Jesus do. They understand that these stories are our stories, even if we're not connected to them in the way that we long to be connected to them. We're not going to not celebrate the good work of God. And content people celebrate the good work of God instead of comparing themselves to wanting that good work. That's what contentment does. It causes you to celebrate. And Paul says it causes you to do one other thing. And he writes about it in verse 19. He says this, And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Content people are grateful people. They don't only just celebrate people, but they are grateful for the work that God is doing in their life, what they've been given in their life. And grateful people publicly express their gratitude to others and to God. Because unexpressed gratitude feels like ingratitude. If you don't say thank you, most people will receive that as you're not thankful. Which is why I think part of what we need to practice as people who are content and we're choosing contentment over comparison is to celebrate and is to express gratitude out loud because sometimes your ears need to hear about the work that God is doing in you. Sometimes your brain needs to be reminded of the work that God has done through you. So say it out loud. Thank God out loud. It allows you to hear the story that God is writing in you and through you. Gratitude focuses our attention on how good God has been to us. And it helps us to live with contentment. Again, this is why Paul says, I can do this through Christ who gives me strength. I'm here because of Jesus. And I'm thanking him out loud. He has provided for me. Even though I'm in this circumstance, I know that God is with me and for me and has given me what I need for life and godliness. In my life, I have found that bitterness and cynicism and ingratitude and comparison likes to try to take over my heart. And so in October of 2013, I began to practice every night. I began to practice sitting down and writing down three things that I'm grateful for. And I put it in my phone. There's a notes page in my phone and I've been doing it for almost seven years now. So there's a whole lot. I got to scroll through, but I don't do it just to brag about it. I do it because I need it. It reminds me of how good God has been to me. And I've shared that habit, that rhythm with friends at Active, and now my friend Dan is participating in it, and now my friend Austin is participating in it, and now my friend Joycey is participating in it, and they're practicing gratitude, and they have found how it has adjusted their heart, and it has kept their eyes on Jesus rather than looking off to the right or to the left. They've decided to look up. They're choosing contentment, and what it's done is it's caused them to celebrate others and to express how grateful they are for what God has done in them and through them. Gratitude. And celebration are the expressions of contentment in your heart and in your soul. Choose contentment over comparison, friends. Be over comparison. Choose to rule it because if you don't, it will rule you. Trust God with your story because that's the best way forward. Now, I told you I'd give you a phrase to 
help you during the week. Maybe you can walk with it in your heart or in your mind. And I want to give you this phrase because I want you to win. I want you to win at life. I want you to win in relationships. I want you to win at parenting. I want you to win in your marriage. I want you to win in your friendships. I want you to win at work. I want you to win at home. I want you to win. And what I mean by winning, I want you to tell a better story. And so this phrase will remind you of the dangers of comparison and how it will influence your life. And here's the phrase that I want to give you. I want to leave you with. You ready? There is no win in comparison. There is no win in comparison. So live a life of contentment, celebrate others and express gratitude and tell the story that Jesus is writing for you. Don't look to the right or to the left, look up because your heavenly father is the author and the perfecter, the pioneer of your faith. As we finish our time, I wanna give you a prayer that you can pray this week. Just words that you can place on your lips and in your heart to remind you of how good God has been to you and to remind you to turn your attention to him in moments where you want to turn your attention to others. And here's the prayer, a prayer of contentment. This week, I wanna invite you to pray these words. Jesus, you are more than enough for me. Jesus, you have given me more than I deserve. Jesus, I'm trusting you with my story. And Jesus, I believe the best is yet to come. Whether you're watching this or listening to this, could we just say this together? The words will be on the screen for you, but could we just say this together? Let's pray this together. Jesus, you are more than enough for me. Jesus, you have given me more than I deserve. Jesus, I'm trusting you with my story. And Jesus, I believe the best is yet to come. And if you want to put some legs behind that prayer, if you want to put some actions behind that word, then I want to invite you to consider getting baptized. Our next baptism Sunday is Sunday, September 19th, the future of Active Sunday. And it's a day where you can talk about the private work of God in a very public way, where you, in front of our church, in celebration of the work of God, you can announce that Jesus is Lord of your life. And I want to invite you to get baptized and you can get started by texting BAPTISM to the number on the screen. Text BAPTISM to the number on the screen and we'll help you take your next step. Friends, I love you and I'm grateful for you. And I wanna invite you to choose contentment over comparison. Choose to celebrate and choose to express gratitude because that's where better stories are found. Let me pray for you. So Heavenly Father, we give you our stories. We give you our hearts. We give you our trust. And we believe the best is yet to come. And we are confident that you're going to do something in us that you haven't done before. And when we see the better stories being written around us, may we celebrate and may we be grateful because you are a good God who is good to us. May we live a life that looks up and sees that you care for the birds, so you're gonna care for us. May we live a life that looks up and recognizes that you are doing a good work in us and we can be content in that. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray all of these things. And together we say amen and amen and amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. 
Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. in Yukaipa. See you next time.